Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Alongside me, as always, Tom McCluskey. How are you, Tom? What have you been up to? Good. I've been sleeping before this because we're recording in the morning. So I've not really been up to much today, to be honest, mate. I've not really excited to tell you, but... I'm excited to have a chat. Good. Uh, I am as well. I'm, do you know what I'm excited about today is this, and our, our listeners won't be able to hear this, but um, I've got the, the this Fold phone thing. Ooh, it's, you've got the side fold. Oh, it is insane, honestly. I'm not. This is not like sponsored by Samsung or anything, but... Does the crease in the middle bother you at all? No, it doesn't. You don't You don't even... You can see it on camera, can't you? But it, you don't actually see it really yeah. when, you're, um, when you're using it. Seriously amazing bit of kit. Um, highly recommend it if anyone's thinking of remortgaging their house and wants to spend a lot of money on a phone. Um, so today, Tom, we're joined by um, a young man making some serious waves in racing. And just yesterday, he got behind the wheel of a Formula One car in a testy one as part of the BIDC Autosport Awards. And we'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, seeing as we're talking about the BIDC Autosport Awards, let's test your knowledge on it, shall we? we didn't, I don't think we did a little quiz for you last time. So um let's let's test you on this can you yeah, tell me in what year lando norris won the autosport award the BRDC young driver autosport award oh yeah because i think i can picture him at the ceremony picking up some kind of award and he looks teeny tiny yeah i'm gonna say so what year sorry what year so, yeah um i'm gonna say i'm just gonna say 10 years ago so i'm gonna say in uh 2012 Incorrect. It was 2016. Far more really? recent history, yeah. Um, and he was, still looks so young. He still looks That's young crazy. and he's still tiny. He won the Formula Renault Euro Cup and then 2017 won the European F3 title and then uh, the rest is history, as they say. Okay, George Russell. Okay, so... Ooh, right. Oh, if Lando won it in 2016, then I'm going to say George won it in 20... It would be... Uh, I'm going to say 2014. Yes, it is. It is. Well done. He took the F4 crown uh, before winning the award. I think he won F4 with Lannan because I, I've got a feeling I saw one of his, one of his last races at Snetterton um, and it was Lannan racing. So well done. One out of two. Not a bad guess take at that. all. Um, should we introduce <laughs> today's guest? Let's do it. So Zach O'Sullivan started in karts eight years old where he was a championship winner before moving up to the awesome Janetta Junior Championship, picking up wins on his way to rookie champion and second overall. His first season in single seaters followed in 2020, where he finished a close second in British F4 with nine wins and 18 podiums. Last year, 2021, he had his debut in GB3 and won at a canter, smashing his nearest rival by 164 points. In even more recent history, he's been made a Williams Racing Driver Academy star and won the BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award at the Autosport Awards, which is a program that many of today's current F1 grid have been through, so the future looks very bright indeed. We're honoured to be the first people to speak to Zach following his test in a full-blown F1 car. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you? Before we get into it, a really quick message. This show has grown into something far bigger than we ever imagined. It's been a huge honour to chat with F1 world champions like Nico Rosberg, legends like Mario Andretti, Jody Schechter and Gerhard Berger. 
People right at the top of the sport like the brilliant Gunter Steiner and current stars like Alex Albon, Lucas Degrassi and Tatiana Kovalon. It really is a privilege. But without you, we wouldn't be able to continue. And without sponsors, we couldn't bring you the stories from the inner workings of the sport we all love. With that in mind, I'm over the moon to have F1 Experiences back with us to support the show for season 13. It's really important to us that we align with brands that are relevant and can add value to you. F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. And it's the closest thing you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. You can book with them today. With F1 Experiences' official ticket packages coming direct from Formula One, you can get unique access that simply isn't available anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 Experience, visit f1experiences.com where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 experience package by using the code MMPODCAST when checking out online. Good things come to those who listen to the Motormouth podcast. Don't say we don't treat you well. So, what are you waiting for? The 2023 F1 season will be here before you know it. So go get booking your F1 experience today with F1experiences.com. Very good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, as you said... Not the first thing I thought I'd be doing after an F1 test, but I'm happy to do it. <laughs> happy days, but where, where are you dialing in from today? The background's not giving too much away, although the books look good. Yeah, I'm trying to look studious, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just at home. Um, yeah, came back last night from Silverstone. Uh, I had a very, very good sleep um, and fighting my stiff neck this morning. I bet. Well, we'll come on to the F1 test later. But first, let's, let's take it back a little bit. Where did the, the bug for racing first come from? Was it in the family? Was there a history of it in your past? Um, I wouldn't say it was, I'd say, a massive kind of history of family racing. My dad always liked cars um, and watched the F1. So when I was growing up, I kind of duly followed suit uh, and would watch. That was kind of in the, I was in Alonso era, so 2007 was kind of my first memories when I was like two or three watching F1. Um and yeah, from then I always kind of had an interest in cars. I was always really into into F1. Uh, and then when I was eight, we went to the Autosport show uh, in Birmingham in the NEC. Um, and I saw a go-kart on sale. And at the time I was a big Ferrari fan. Um, and it was in a little Ferrari, I think Massa livery at the time. Uh, and I loved it. So a year of kind of pleading and begging, eventually for my uh, eighth birthday, I believe. Um, yeah, I got a go-kart and it kind of went from there. Man, that's great. Like, yeah, Autosport was one of the first kind of events I went to when I was a kid that really got me into cars as well. It's crazy. But what's what's the, um, is there a particular car from that era when you were growing up that really sticks in your mind? Because for me, it's the the West McLaren because I'm, I'm a bit older than you. Um, so that's the one that kind of sticks in my mind. But what, is there a particular car? I think the, the Vodafone McLarens were really distinctive, especially to like three, four-year-old me watching. You could always see the chrome cars going round. Also two British drivers, Hamilton and Button. Um, they were pretty well known. As I said, I was a Ferrari fan. So um, I had the pain of seeing Alonso lose a few championships to Vettel. So I was always looking for those Ferraris. But yeah, I think those, uh, those Vodafone McLarens early on. Did, you, did your dad, because your dad's Irish, isn't he? Yeah. Did, was he, did he ever sort of think, oh, I'm a bit gutted that my, my boy's representing England. Because I mean, you, you race under the, the English flag, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one. So technically, I'm obviously half Irish due to my, my dad's heritage. Um, but I would say I'm British. Obviously, I don't have the Irish accent for one. Um, but I've grown up in the UK and lived, lived my whole life here. So I feel like um, I'd be a fake Irishman if I race under an Irish flag. 
What what kind of because we know that there's numerous drivers. For example, I know Alex Albon. He grew up in the UK, grew up like Colchester way, and then you know he races under the tie flag. Does it really make much of a difference what um, like flag you race under from a from a license point of view, or is it more just something just for the kind of visual purposes? I guess. Um, I think it's a mixture. I think it depends on the country. Um, license wise, it's all fairly simple. I think. Only if you have a pretty rare license, you have some difficulty to think in some races. Uh, I think the commercial standpoint is sometimes quite useful if you can switch, let's say, your heritage nation, yeah. um, which is kind of less of the case in Ireland. But I guess for Alex, that's quite a big benefit. Um, but yeah, for me, I chose the, the English license. I raced all my life in the UK, so it made sense. It's, it's interesting you mentioned there about switching heritage because um, things like saying you're Irish, can be that can be quite a good niche for for you know like when eddie jordan was looking for sponsors he would lean on that irish heritage a lot i think he did a deal with um the tourist board of ireland and a few other irish brands it can be quite a good way to do things have you, have you found that side of things challenging at all you know seeking out sponsorship finding brands to work with and, and how do you go about that uh yeah it's very difficult i think for everyone uh in junior motorsport obviously it's no secret it's uh, astronomically expensive um and yeah, I mean, the, the truth is, I think as a company, not many companies want to spend that amount of money to put a sticker on the side of a racing car, mm. um, if you put it simply. Uh, so it's very tricky. I think normally it's through family links or a friend of a friend you know who owns a company who'd be happy to to help you out. Um, but yeah, I think for everyone, it's, it's very tricky. And if there are any drivers who are, let's say, predominantly sponsored uh, in junior motorsport, not from an academy or anything else, um, they're pretty lucky. Uh, it's very hard. In terms of getting sponsorship and that side of it, because that's a completely different skill to driving, like does the wider motorsport world give young drivers much support in that or are you kind of just left to your own devices to sort all that out? I think you're pretty much left to your own devices, unfortunately. Um, obviously, there are some initiatives like the Autosport Award, which has a, a very nice financial prize with it. Um, I think the problem is all the teams are obviously trying to, to make money. The teams won't make a, a massive profit even with the... The, the, the prices they're charging. Um, and yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, of course, I'd say the main help is is a driver academy if you're lucky enough to get into one. Um, but outside that, there's nothing really, really else helping young drivers. Now, let's pick things up in GB3. Um, you've had success before that series, but in that year, last year, 2021, you absolutely smashed it out of the park. Um, working with Trevor Carlin and his amazing Carlin outfit, an absolute behemoth of a, a race team, um, you won it by miles. Were you surprised how comprehensively you won? Um, I mean, it's it's a very competitive championship. How, how how did you feel taking that one on? Yeah, I was surprised, to be honest. I thought we had a kind of good shot going into the year in testing. We were always there or thereabouts. Um, and even early on in the year, it was quite close between a few of us. And then halfway through the year, it just kind of kept going up. Um, hmm. There were people having blunders throughout the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, it all came together quite nicely. I think I won DNF. Um, throughout the year so at least compared to my, my previous year in F4 uh, where I just missed out I think on my side I improved quite a lot um, and it paid off a bit. And working with a team like Carlin I mean the clout of that team the amount of drivers who've come through and Trevor obviously leading the way as well what's what's Trevor like to work with what were your expectations going in and kind of what type of team boss is he because again he's brought so many young drivers through so it must be like whatever he's doing, he's doing something right. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I joined the team testing F4, I was 14 and Carlin was this big outfit. I was a bit almost almost afraid of it. It was quite daunting. Um, but especially in my GB3 year, um, I got to know Trevor more and more, um, spent some time with him. And yeah, he's a really nice guy. Of course, as you said, he does a very, very good job. Um, I think their repertoire speaks enough for itself. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, he's pretty easy to work with. Um, you can always be open with him. He has a, obviously a pretty good understanding of racing itself, which is always quite useful. Um, so can have chats before or after sessions and yeah really enjoyed my time with them i can't imagine being 14 years old and walking to a place like carlin i mean i don't at 14 i was such an idiot like i don't know how <laughs> you can have the maturity to walk in to somewhere like that and not be completely overwhelmed by it it's it's astonishing um and you raced um when well, gb3 you raced at some great race tracks in the uk obviously but you also um go out to um spa what was it like going there for the first time is it is it as fun to drive as it looks um, it's a tricky one. I, I was actually underwhelmed slightly. Um, wow. I was surprised. Um, I think in the race, it really came alive, to be honest, because everyone runs as low downforce as they can. Um, and especially in sector one with, with erosion, they come all straight. The racing was really cool and everyone was, was playing games from lap one, trying to get the slipstream. So, um, I think on one lap, it was a bit tricky because everyone was searching for a toe so much. Um, but in the race, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And that carried on into FIA three as well. Um, I think in the race, it's one of my favorite tracks. Something I wanted to ask, actually, a bit of a sidestep, and we've heard this from various... I mean, Lado's talked about this at length as well. Obviously, as a, as a young driver coming through the categories, you know, you're away from home a lot. You're away from, I guess, like, school time is, as well. Isn't Like, how have you been able to, uh, like... Are you still close with um, kind of kids you grew up from school? Or do you become more kind of um, absorbed into the motorsport world and all of your mates or other carters, you know what I mean? I think you end up... I think... Whilst I was in karting, I was still obviously very close to people in school. Um, and then actually, when I moved to cars, I switched to, like I say, proper home education um, for my GCSEs and A-levels, which I'm, I'm still doing now. Uh, and from then, it kind of more stuck to, to racing people. Obviously, I still stay in contact with people from my old school, et cetera, around where I live. But uh, I'm away so much. <laughs> There's not really too much you can, you can do to stay in contact. Um, and I think also, as you move up through the categories, through F4, F3, and, and hopefully F2, there's a few drivers who kind of stick with you and uh, are moving up at the same time. So I guess you kind of build that, that must be, yeah, that must be nice because obviously it, 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 I'm sure it's like tough, especially at first, like being away so much. But I guess having, I guess you're all kind of in the same boat because you're all having to make that sacrifice, right? Exactly. Yeah. You're all in the same boat and there's someone, there's always people very relatable to talk to, uh, which is quite nice. Obviously, they're competitive friendships, if you know what I mean, when the visor goes down. Uh, um, but outside the car, I think it, it's healthy to have a bit of friendship with some, some rivals. How have you coped with the, the homeschooling side of things? Because if you want to get to Formula One, if you want to get to the top of any motorsport, you've really got to give it your all, haven't you? And you've got to make sacrifices. And presumably, you know, you're racing a lot of weekends, you're traveling a lot, you're missing out on things that, that regular 17-year-old kids would do. Well, how have you found that from a mental perspective? Does it bother you? Do, do you? do you think about it? Or are you happy just being that single-minded kind of racing driver approach? I'm pretty happy with it. I think I've always been quite kind of independent. I'm an only child, so um, I was never really seeking that much companionship, if you know what I mean. Um, and with homeschooling, to be honest, I preferred it. Um, I think it was, it was very hard at school. I'd be doing all the work in between qualifying sessions, in between practice sessions whilst I was away, and it was just never really working. A, the quality of the work was never that good, and B, when I got back, um, let's say the teachers had quite a short fuse of me because I'd been away for so long. Um, so since I went to home education, um, of course, I could, we could always have a set number of hours I had to do to do the syllabus, and we had a bit of freedom to, to add hours in at the weekend, um, skip out half terms, et cetera. 
and just trying to focus on the bigger picture rather than each individual day. Yeah, that's fair. No, so obviously the BRDC award. Um, got to talk about that now. Um, when you were announced as a finalist, kind of where were you when you found out um, that you were nominated? I'm trying to remember. I think I was at home. I'm not sure. I think because they they announced the final the like initial ten. Um, then I, I think I was at a racetrack in Alton Park, and then they announced the the final four. I think I was at home. Um, and I think on that, as soon as it got announced, I got an email uh, from Derek and the guys at Autosport and the BRDC organizing seat fits and stuff. So it all happened uh, pretty spontaneously. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge, isn't it? That is such a, a, a prestigious award. Um, and some of the people that have gone before you, as, as you well know, have gone on to great things in Formula One. You know, world champions um, have, have been through that process. Um, what was it like when you won it and then receiving the award in front of all those people? Was it a very surreal moment? How do you look back at it? Yeah, pretty surreal. Um... It was probably the best slash worst night of my life because I was just sat there for, I think it was three hours. It's, for those who don't know, it's the last award announced um, on the Autosport Awards tonight. So you arrive at about 6.30 and I think the announcement was at like quarter to 10 or 10 o'clock. Um, and they're giving out food. I just wasn't hungry. I was just waiting for this announcement. Um, and they kept dragging it out, doing all these promotional videos. Um, and yeah, eventually when I won, I was obviously super happy. More relief than anything else because I've been waiting so long for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I think at the time it was a cool week because I'd been announced as a, a Williams driver, I think, two days before. Um, and the night of the awards is also my birthday. So God, pretty good. What a present. week. I mean, it's it's huge. Absolutely massive. I mean, I've, I've been to the Autosport Awards a couple of times and it, and the whole evening really is about that award. You know, it's, yeah. it seems like it's the most important award at the whole show. And it's the one that everybody looks forward to hearing about. And then, of course, the prize for winning that award is not only the, the cash injection, which goes towards you know future race seats or whatever, but is is the opportunity to drive um, a Formula One car. And you did that yesterday. I did indeed. Um, I think that was almost when I, when I got announced in February of one. I kind of put it out of my mind, thinking, "Ah, oh, it's one in the future." And then we got to about six weeks ago, and I got the emails like, "Oh, we need to do a seat fit for your your test in the twenty twenty one car." I was like, oh, 2021. I presumed it was a 2013 car like in the past. So um, that was a shock, a nice surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the biggest perk of it all, really. So let's talk the nitty gritty details. So how long was the test? How much time did you get with the car? And by the end of it, did you feel like reasonably comfortable in the machinery? Yeah, so in the end, I had about 25 push laps, let's say. Um, I think they were quite limited with, with engine mileage. Um, as is always the case with the old, older cars. Um, and yeah, I think towards the end, um, I got to a point where I was pretty happy in all the high-speed corners. Um, I couldn't really see too much because my neck was gone. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think towards the end, I was I was pretty happy wherever I got to. The team seemed pretty happy. Um, and I was kind of happy within myself that I felt like I got to a, a limit in a lot of the high-speed corners. Um, and some of the data at least was comparable to the real drivers, which was cool. How, how tough is it on the body? You mentioned the neck there. Obviously, you, you, you're feeling those G-forces through the corners and, and through braking. But what, what other physical emotions can you describe as you're, you're driving around on a push lap? Um, it was quite crazy, to be honest, because I, I didn't install lap at about 10 a.m. in the morning um, whilst the track was still a bit damp. And I came out of, um, I think it's Arena 2 at Silverstone, and I went full throttle. And I wasn't that, I was like, oh, it's, it's quite fast. Um, didn't feel much quicker than F3. And at the time, I didn't realize, but the hybrid wasn't switched on, and it was still recharging. <laughs> and I came out of Luffield then, 
And I hit the throttle again, expecting the same amount. And I literally felt sick. It was ridiculous um, when everything was deployed. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, I think my brain still thought I was in Luffer and I was already at the apex of cops. It was ridiculous. Um, but I think once, as all racing drivers say, once you get the feel for, for how fast the car is on full throttle, you almost almost want more. Um, and I kind of got used to that point. And from then on, once I started pushing the car, I realized um, how capable they really are. That's what I find so impressive because so many drivers have spoken about their first ever time in a car and how, like you said, they felt a bit sick and that they were like, how am I going to handle this? But I guess, you know, you're kind of, you've built up this um, this talent over so many years that just enables you to to really quickly kind of get on top of it and go quickly because, you know, jumping in that car, was there any kind of fear factor? Because I imagine that's by far and away the quickest racing car you've ever been in by a long shot, right? A very quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors at F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula One, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsport. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including driver appearances, private pit lane walks, behind-the-scenes tours of the illustrious F1 paddock, team garages, the famous podium, and loads more. It's the closest you can get to Formula One. And thanks to F1 Experiences, Motormouth listeners can get 5% off your next F1 Experiences package by using the code MMPODCAST when booking online at f1experiences.com. Yeah, I mean, it's more than double the horsepower in F3 in the same weight, pretty much. So, uh... Yeah, there's a bit of fear factor. Obviously, you're driving an F1 car with not many spares, which I got told as soon as I arrived. Wasn't going <laughs> Don't uh, crash. <laughs> I saw one front wing and one floor, and that was it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to crash. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, Can you imagine? Oh. I know. Um, and it was damp Silverstone in October. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, I think, to be honest, I think all drivers get to a certain level, and you, you kind of have to push yourself when you jump into a, a much faster car to get to a point. Um, I think if you almost let's say, uh, trundle around, you kind of get into a mental block where you can't really push. Um, and especially in these big aero cars, um, the more you lift or the more you back out at high speed, the more unstable the car becomes. Yeah. It's kind of a mental game when I'm turning up to cops, I don't know, 70 miles an hour quicker than normal. And it's like, just, just do it flat and it'll be easier than lifting. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, but I think over time and every time you step up a category, you get better at adapting. How's the... This um... just from... I was going to say, this reminds me of the... Zach, have you seen the Top Gear episode from back in the day when Richard Hammond was driving the, the old yeah. Renault? It, it's like everything he said, like he just couldn't go quickly enough exactly. to actually go quickly. Yeah, that's the thing. After the first run, I came in and I was like, wow, the brakes are so good after the install lap. And they were like, the brake temperatures aren't even reading on our data. <laughs> 10 insane. times lower than it needs to be. Like Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask about the brakes. Because like, the, the step up from F3 into F1, I mean, it's a decent jump there. But it, yeah. things like the braking, do you really have to slam your foot to the floor? To be honest, it's, it's a weird sensation. Because the brake is a, a brake-by-wire system, they have pretty much complete freedom on 
and how the pedal can be. Uh, so compared to my F3 car, it's actually a lot softer, the pedal. Um, and I think other drivers have said it in the past, but it's a weird sensation because in F3 and F2 cars, the steering's super heavy, usually the brake pedal's super stiff. So you're kind of locking your whole body, let's say, in high-speed corners. But in F1, the steering's really light because of power steering. Yeah. Brake pedal's quite light, and all you can feel is your neck being just pulled off. Um, so the first couple of laps, I was just used to having a really heavy wheel, and I didn't really have anything to, to resist against. So it was a bit strange. Um, but yeah, the, the efficiency of the brakes is on another level, really, yeah. compared to what I'm used to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think a couple, the first time I, let's say, properly hit the brakes, I just went... <laughs> And looking at my feet. Um, and then from then I had to almost brace myself every time I hit the brakes. And also, one other thing I wanted to ask, obviously the wheel, the complexity of the wheel, I imagine, did they just set it into, you know, you, you they made it so you didn't have to worry too much about pressing buttons and changing settings, right? We did a bit. They've got a few, uh, like, strategy modes that override everything. So for, depend because it was so cold, we were playing around with the outlap modes, which uh, can help to get tire temperature. So there'd always be a switch change before and after a lap to recharge the battery. Uh, and at the end, we went into, let's say, qualifying simulation where uh, I was doing quite a few more switch changes. But the problem was actually the radio quality was quite bad. So <laughs> I was a bit lost That's sometimes. Mad. Like with all that technology, can't they make a decent radio? I, I never understand that. Like they're making the fastest cars on the planet, but yet they can't make a decent two-way radio. That's what I thought. But anyway, yeah. I'm not going to complain. Did you... Um, what did you do afterwards? Did you go out and, and have a nice meal with the family and take it all in? Like, how, did you celebrate or was it just like, yeah, another day? Uh, another day. I drove back. Well, I drove back home. Um, and actually had some homework to do because I got a lesson after oh, this. Back so, to reality. Yeah, back to reality. <laughs> I've got off on a bit of homework. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing too much. It was just kind of a one day F1 testing, back to, back to reality, he said. <laughs> Ridiculous life. Um, but it wasn't the only Formula One experience you're, you're having because you're part of the, the Williams um, Young Driver Academy. How did that opportunity come about? Where, where did it come from? Who called you? How did that happen? And, and tell us a little bit about what you do with them. Yeah, so it was after my, my GB3 championship winning year or during um, the first kind of conversation started happening with Sven at Williams. Um, They're interested in adding me to their academy for this year uh, and eventually yeah we buttoned up the deal uh in february uh for this year's f3 season and yeah in terms of my involvement i think as far as academies go they've had a bit of a of restructure early on this year um and yeah i'm super involved with the sim uh, i've gone to a few race weekends this year um and yeah more more involved than i thought i would be uh, which i've really enjoyed i've done a few weeks at the factory um was going around all the roles and composites all sorts so yeah i've really enjoyed my time and it must be pretty cool seeing um, Logan take the step up, um, seemingly. Again, as long as he gets the super license points, which would take a mathematical, yeah. like, it would take some madness for him to not get P7. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, that must be quite heartening, I suppose, for you. And I know you've done some bits with with Logan as well. So seeing him, you know, Williams have their the faith um, in him as a young driver and give him the opportunity for next season. Exactly. Um, it shows they're willing to, to put young drivers in, which is obviously good on my part as well. Um, and uh, I mean, compared to other academies, not to, to mention any, they seem to be quite proactive at putting the drivers in, which is, uh, which is nice um, and gives me a bit of reassurance at least. Yeah. Do you have much to do <clears throat> with the other drivers? I mean, you've got Logan, obviously. We've got uh, Jamie Chadwick, who's won the W Series for about 75 seasons in a row. Uh, Ollie Gray is doing great things in, in F4. Um, do, do you speak amongst the group and, and, and keep in contact with each other? Yeah, obviously it was a bit easier with Logan this year because um, F3 and F2 are always on the same weekend. So uh, any media stuff we could do at the weekend, we go to the, the motorhome, et cetera, and 
and do anything like that. Um, also, both B and Carl and, of course, the, the trucks are pretty much next to each other every weekend. So we stayed in contact quite a bit. Um, Jamie and Ollie, obviously, they normally race in different weekends or W Series have separated off a bit from our paddock. Um, but we have, we've had two training camps this year, uh, all, all four of us. Um, so, yeah, we're staying in contact. Um, we've been around quite a lot, getting to know each other. So that relationship with Williams, just on a kind of regular day-to-day -day basis, even like off-race weekends, do you kind of have regular contact or is it more just at those times when you need to be at the simulator? Like, do, do they take, do they do much, I suppose, to, so for example, like when um, Yuki Tsunoda first jumped into F1, you know, that he was in Mitwell Keynes, but then the team decided actually we're going to move him to Fianza and, and, and like manage him a bit more closely. Is that that degree of involvement Williams having your life, or is it more just at the weekends? Uh, I think it's what a, a bit at the weekends. Obviously, I'm doing quite a bit of sim work for them um, this year, and I guess even more so next year. Luckily, I'm only about an hour away from the factory, so it's not too bad commute-wise. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it's more race weekend related. Um, obviously, I stay in contact with all the guys in the academy and the people I need to within Williams for sim, etc. I guess maybe as I get higher up the ranks, the, the involvement might increase. But I think location-wise and everything, it's quite convenient so far, at least. And, and you're obviously a lot closer to Williams than, than the average Joe. What's the vibe like inside the team from your perspective at the moment? It feels like they're starting to, to move in the right direction. Things, things seem to be improving. How is it from an insider's perspective? Really good. Um, I think it's got a... They've managed to keep that kind of family environment that I've heard they've always had, which you can definitely feel. Um, but it's also kind of evolving that corporate improvement into the company and trying to obviously inject as much money as they can and improve the team. Um, I think they are making steps forward. Obviously, it's not a, a quick process to, to turn around an F1 team. I think if you make a change in personnel, et cetera, it takes maybe three, four years for, for the changes to become evident on track. Um, so I think in the long term, they, for sure, they will improve. Um, yeah, I think the vibe and everyone's pretty upbeat. Um, obviously, trying to understand what's going on this year and up, make improvements for next year. Um, but yeah. It's all good. Um, and yeah, I think for sure an improvement, but it perhaps was in the past. And then obviously jumped into F3 this season, really good solid first year. What's the kind of, what was the biggest um, difference or maybe a surprise jumping into the F3 car? Was it quite a, did you find it quite an easy transition into the car or was that quite difficult? I think over one lap, the car, any car's not too bad. I think all drivers can find the limit quite quickly. Uh, I think in F3 especially, you have to get the most out of the tyres on, on one lap because they're Pirelli's therefore are done after one lap. Um, I think in the race is where it changes a bit more. Um, there's a lot of management. We have, we have quite limited amount we can do in the car, but the few things you can do in the car, you really need to maximize to, to control the degradation. Because uh, like I said, with the tires, you always lose the rear tires within a few, few laps of the race, um, especially on high fuel. So that management phase um, and trying to keep the balance in check throughout the race is quite tricky, um, especially if you start the race with a slightly off balance and you can feel one axle going from the first lap of the race, you know you're in for a long one. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, it's been a cool year. Um, I think looking at the season, um, trying to stay out of trouble is always very useful in F3. Um, I think points scores uh, are not that easy to come by, let's say. Um, when the opportunity presents itself, you have to take it with, with both hands. And talking of opportunities that you, you need to take, um, Budapest, absolutely ridiculous race. I think you, you were started down in P22 and ended up nearly on the podium, coming home P4. Was that a lot of fun? Yeah, that was really fun. Um, it switched around the weekend because I had a mechanical failure in, in qualifying and ended up down in God knows where, I think P22, like you said. Um, and yeah, and to be honest, before the race, 
my engineer and I, um, throughout the year, we've been trying slicks because we've kind of had nothing to lose. We weren't, the pace wasn't really there throughout most of the year. So I think in Imola Quali, we put slicks on uh, and I went green in one sector and there's a red flag and we had to abort the whole slick idea. But I think that, that was kind of annoying. It was like a, a false dawn. Um, and from then on, we were really keen to go to slicks because I thought the potential was there, even if the track was quite wet. Uh, and before the race, it was quite dry and we were like, let's start on slicks. And then this massive downpour came about five minutes before. I had to put the wets back on. And I never thought it was going to dry. Um, and then, yeah, halfway through the race, it wasn't going too well. Uh, I think Correa, I saw my mirrors pitted directly behind me. And I was like, hey, we need to do it. Let's just do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it turned out to be the right decision. Um, when I first came out the pit lane, the track was still very wet. Um, but yeah, it was, a really, it was really strange because I was just driving on my own. Um, but I had Correa directly in front. And I realized at one point, my engineer was like, okay, we've got a shot to win the race. So I was like, okay, I've got to then get past Correa. So we were having our race about 30 seconds behind everyone, scrapping for last, because we knew at some point one of us would have the, the chance to maybe win the race. So we were having this battle losing time on our own. Um, and then eventually also we caught the cars and it was uh, it was like playing on 0% AI. It was quite funny. <laughs> were there any other um, moments this year that maybe, you know, weren't caught by the cameras, um, but you, like a particular overtake or a particular, I don't know, particular moment that sticks in your mind as being, I don't know, really cool or interesting or, or whatever? Um, God, all sorts happens in F3 midfield. Um, <laughs> it's chaotic. Uh, I think... At Monza, one of the second race, it was very chaotic. I think there was one moment, and maybe it did get caught by the cameras. I think we were six wide into turn one um, down the straight. And I, I don't know if you, you know at Monza, but six the, wide. the main entrance opens up quite a lot. And then it's grass. So two of them had to back out because it was grass. Um, but I think five out of six missed turn one and we all went through the, the escape road. But it was, quite, it was quite funny. I think between Monza and, and Spa, the racing was, was really cool, um, especially with the DRS stuff. Everyone was playing games, uh, trying to wait for DRS. Yeah, there's some fairly bonkers action in F3, isn't there? But it's, uh, you're, you're racing a lot of the tracks that Formula One races at. Um, you're experiencing Formula One with Williams. You've done your F1 test. Does this just all compound everything and make you want it even more? Presumably for you, there is only one end game and it's Formula One. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think like most drivers at F3 or F2 level, F1 is the, is the goal. Um, I think yesterday gave me a taste of it. Um, and yeah, I was nervous going into yesterday, but now I want even more. So um, yeah, I guess it, I know what I'm looking forward to if, if I do make it in the future. But yeah, like you said, I think F1 is for sure the goal. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, now, let's get to know the non-racing Zach. Yep. We're we're obviously recording this on audio, but I can see that there's a guitar behind you. Is that is that a thing? Can you play the guitar, or is that just for show, ornamental? Definitely not. My dad can play guitar pretty well, um, and I don't know the the genes never translated to me because I tried to play it when I was five or six, and I was awful, so I gave up. Um, <laughs> uh, I had the rhythm of elephants, so it didn't go too well. Have you got any hidden talents? What can you do outside of racing a car? Talents. Um, I'm pretty good at graphic design. Um, I did like a, a diploma in it for, for GCSE. Um, nice. I got into it in Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator and all that. Um, and even if I'm not doing it, let's say, professionally or for anyone, I just find it relaxing in my spare time to be designing helmets, cars, etc. So, yeah. Good, man. Of good. Well, that's what I was doing before yeah, I started I doing this. Say. So, have you, do you do any, like, of your own helmet designs? Or Yeah, so I work with Miles at MDM. Um, good in, man, yeah, I love Miles. Yeah, in the helmet kind of production phase, let's say, and give my, I'll mock up one of his designs and he finalizes it, let's say. But yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, Tom, that's, that's 
right up your alley, that, isn't it? A bit of, bit of graphic is. design. Absolutely. Um, outside of um, the good stuff, what are yeah. you totally useless at? What would your parents be like, he's a complete disaster at this? Oh, <laughs> complete disaster. Um, singing, well, they probably don't know, but I'm not very good at singing. They don't so know? Probably... You've never sung in front of your parents? Exactly, because I'm not very good. Um, uh, I think that's quite a common one. What else am I not very good at? Um, I couldn't play cricket at school to save my life. <laughs> I love like, cricket. Big fan. I don't think I've ever touched a cricket bat in my life. Shut Good up. You, you've never Good played idea. cricket? Oh, my God. No. Heathen. No. Rugby, I was okay. Hockey, Friendly. cricket. I couldn't do it. Mm. I yeah. love, love a bit of cricket. Turn the old arm over. What, what about, Zach, what about if, if racing wasn't, you know, the, the main focus career-wise, you know, what do you think you would be... Obviously, you're still super young, you're still in your, in your studies. Like, I think, I mean, I certainly, when I was your age, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. But if you weren't doing racing, um, what do you think you would be maybe interested in looking into? I think it would still be something motorsport-related because um, I've always been interested in cars. So if I never got into racing, um, I'm doing physics for A-level. So I think something... Wow or engineering-based, um, I would have liked. Uh, if that were to fail, maybe something in graphic design. Um, but, I mean, I think it would still be something related to motorsport. Um, I'm really interested in the engineering still, even whilst I'm driving. So I think, yes. Yeah, and, and, and I think that will stand you in good stead, I think, going yeah. through your career, because I imagine not every driver is overly interested in the mechanics and, and how things work. But that's only going to help you going forward as well, mate. So that's that's really good. Yeah. Do, for sure. How, was, how do your parents look at this? Do they... Do they... I mean, you're obviously being homeschooled, so you know, education is clearly important. But do they give you their thoughts on what should happen in the worst-case scenario where it doesn't work out and you, and you do need a fallback? I think as a family, we're quite realistic. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how well you do, we've seen, as we've seen countless times, uh, all the odds have to be in your favour to still get an F1 seat and then stay in F1. Um, there's been countless F2 champions who get to F1 and actually struggle quite a bit. So... It's a strange game. Um, I think as a family, we're quite realistic. We're, we're not like, kind of uh, resting on our laurels at all. Hence, all my A-levels, etc. Um, so I still need something to, to fall back on, which I think is useful. Um, you see it too many times where people almost drop out of racing and then have nothing really to do apart. They only know racing. Um, so I think from that side, it's, it's pretty useful. Um, and yeah, like I said, as a family, we're, we're quite realistic in that sense. And, and then, obviously, being on the F3 grid this season, has have you still been able to follow the F1 particularly? And if so, like, what have you made of the season so far? Um, the races I haven't been racing, I've been able to follow it a bit better because normally I'm watching it on SkyGo in the back of the car, which is usually geo-blocked or something on the way back to the airport. Oh, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a disaster, but I can still watch it. All the free practice sessions uh, I'll watch in the truck. Um, in terms of F1, I mean, I think the beginning of the season was was really cool. I was expecting a Max Charles fight and then it kind of disintegrated, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I think uh, hopefully next year, Mercedes make a step, Ferrari get their act together a bit more. Because um, I think Max for sure has stepped up his level even from last year in terms of uh, mistakes, etc. I mean, he hasn't really made any, he's had no real accidents this year. Uh, he's been pretty impressive. Um, but it'd be nice to see at least two other cars that can, can fight him. What age did... Verstappen go into F1. Was it seventeen? Yes. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Branded crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you, if someone gave you a call, to, like if Hass called tomorrow and be like, "Look, listen, the seat's there. Take it. It's yours. 
what would you do? Like, presumably you'd go for it, but do you feel, would you feel mentally ready to accept that challenge? I think I'd go for it and, and see how it went. Um, I think the main thing is, I think as long as you're physically ready, at the end of the day, it's still a, set, a car. So you could get within a certain lap time on a qualifying lap, let's say. I think the race is a bit different where the experience of, of the drivers really comes in. Um, when we look at Lewis compared to George this year, I think the, the race is where he really excels, managing the tyres, etc. I think he's got all that experience. So I think as a rookie, you'd struggle a bit more on that. But I think if you were physically prepared, you could get there over time. But as we've seen, even with, with people like Yuki, for example, who've done their testing, it's still a, a mammoth task when you, when you get to it. Also turning up to a lot of new tracks that you haven't been to, I think it would be pretty tricky. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like you said about um, Charles and Ferrari as well, it's like, I think it really illustrates, and, and I guess this is the case through all categories, right? That it is very much a team sport as much as, you know, you're, you as the driver, the biggest cog, you're still a cog in a greater machine and without that team around you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully Haas would be able to, if, if that did happen in this hypothetical scenario, yeah. hopefully uh, you build a good relationship with yeah. Bernard. Zach, we're rapidly coming towards the end, but we do have a final three questions, which we ask all of our guests and they're brought to us by our sponsors, F1 Experiences. Um, first one, on or off track, what's got you excited at this very moment? At this very moment, I mean, off, well, on track, I said my F1 test yesterday. Um, I don't know if that counts, yep. uh, um, but that's the main thing I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that counts. <laughs> okay. Uh, that definitely counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, how much of your success up to this point do you attribute to luck and how much do you attribute to, to hard work and, and, and talent, I suppose? Um, I think inevitably it's a bit of a mixture. There's always luck in people's careers, whether you, I mean, we happen to go down the right route, let's say in karting and, and end up meeting the right people. I think in that sense, some of it's luck, um, but of course, talent and the hard worker the overriding factor in, in everyone's careers. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I don't know, 90-10 or 80-20, around there. Yeah, and, and I suppose also having the right people around you. I mean, you, you've got, is it Kieran, your, your manager, who's who you've yeah. been with since Janetta's, you know, having that sort of solid, consistent um, back office support, if you like, you know, pulling the strings for you so you can focus on the driving. I guess that's got to be quite important for you, for you as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a big fan of continuity if you really get to know someone. Um, so I've had the same engineer through... F4, GB3, and then F3 last year. Um, we were getting on together, so I didn't see any reason um, to stop working with them and, and build a new relationship because I think communication is so important um, in the limited words you get on the radio. Um, and like you said with Kieran as well, it's the same thing. We understand each other really easily. Um, there's no messing around. Um, I can be completely honest with him, which um, I think is quite useful, especially in F3 and F2 when there's not much on-track running um, and you really need to make the most of, of anything you get. Yeah. Final question for you. What are you scared of? What am I scared of? Um, oh, I'd say this is tricky. It's hard because I'm too terrified it's of fearless. Yeah. I, it's going to be something. I'd say some sometimes, right? If I'm shocked by a spider, like if it just appears. Mm -hmm. It will really get me. But if I see one coming towards me, not too fast. No, if you've got if you've got time to prepare. Yeah. But I had one at home the other day where one just dropped from the ceiling somewhere onto my bed. <laughs> and I was out my bed. I was across the room. So <laughs> I can picture the scene. Yeah. Like a jump scare. It's worse than a horror movie. It's just there. Yeah. So like a jumping spider would fill you with fear. Um, yeah, flying spider. There you go. If they, if they existed. There, there are jumping spiders. Flying, not sure. Jumping, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't tell him that. Yeah. Did, did you not like Esteban Ocon's helmet then? 
Uh, <laughs> every time we got into Zomboard, I got a jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Zach, listen, brilliant chatting with you. I mean, 17, you're 17, right? I mean, absolutely unbelievable maturity. Um, your parents must be incredibly proud. I mean, the, 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 the career that you've had already um, is an enviable one. Um, some great experiences there. Fingers crossed for the future. Um, I know you haven't um, nailed down plans at least publicly for, for next year yet, but all the best with them. And um, I really hope we see you in F1 in the future. But for now, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Before you go, one final reminder to check out F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first class hotels, travel and exclusive behind the scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So, to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to f1experiences.com and if you enter the code MMPODCAST, you'll get 5% off as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast